check, check. Amen, amen. Thank God for this party this morning. Thank you so much. Check, check, one, two. Can y'all hear me, Emmanuel? It's good to be with you this morning. I don't know what you've been through this week to get here. But I just thank God that you're here. It's an honor to be in your presence. It's an honor to worship amongst you. First and foremost, we give honor to God the creator and the sustainer of our existence, the author and the finisher of our faith, without whom we would be nothing. We most certainly give honor and thanks for the son who is the Christ, that precious gift from God the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who is indeed the risen savior. And last but certainly not least, we give honor to God for the Holy Spirit. That sweet advocate that walks with us on a daily basis, reminding us of all things righteous and godly. Shared with you on last Sunday, that is often the case in black history. When the political forces of the world are determined to keep things from us, is often a responsibility of the black church to stand in that gap and take back what the enemy is determined to steal from us. Uh, and with that said, I, I thank God for your pastor in his absence. I thank God for the mothers, deacons, saints, and leaders of this particular church that allow God's worship services and God's activities to continue seamlessly on a regular basis, Amen. even in your pastor's absence. And it, it's really wonderful just um, being back in your presence again and seeing how so many people in the greater New Haven community depend on the ministries that directly come out of this church uh, in order to sustain themselves and ultimately in order to be everything that God has created them to be. So again, Emmanuel, I just can't thank you enough for the wonderful opportunity to worship amongst you. There is a word from God this morning. Uh, and as Deacon uh, Hazel likes to point out, I, I love preaching from the Old Testament. <laughs> There's a word from God this morning coming out of the prophet Isaiah. In uh, chapter 20. And without reading the entire chapter again, just want to lift up and emphasize the last few verses at the end of Isaiah chapter 20. And I'm reading from, and we, and we thank God for uh, Deacon Simmons. Uh, 
I, I'm reading from a, a special, um, so he, I'm, this is going to be slightly different than what you're seeing in your Bibles. And the reason for that is I translated um, the New International Version of Isaiah chapter 20 uh, through my basic knowledge of Egyptian hieroglyphics. So that's what um, I'm going to just reread a few passages for you. Then Yahweh said, just as my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot for three years as a cosmic sign from the heavens and divination against Kemet and Cush, so the king of Assyria, Sargon the Akkadian, will lead away naked and barefoot the enslaved Kemites and the exiled Cushites old and young, with buttocks bared, and to Kemet's shame. Those who trusted in Cush and bragged in Kemet will be confused and put to shame. And the day that the people who lived on the Palestinian coast will say, see what has happened to those ancients we relied on, those Cushites, and those Kemites, we Judahites fled to for help and deliverance from the king of Assyria. How then can we escape? Amen. And thus ends our reading. Will you pray with me, church? Amen. And may the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, dear God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people of God say amen. amen. And you may be seated in God's presence. So as I shared with you uh, last week, uh, one of the ways that we try to be very intentional about celebrating our culture and our history, every opportunity we get a chance to preach, is by dedicating our sermons to ancestors. Uh, but before we get into uh, the specific ancestors that this sermon is dedicated to, uh, the, we, we do need to make mention and notice that a large chunk of this sermon <laughs> was inspired by, I don't know how many of you follow your pastor on Facebook, uh, but it's a very wonderful experience. And a large part of this sermon is inspired by some of the commentary that he had on another pastor in Boston sharing a Facebook status that said the following, and I'm quoting him, so don't shoot the messenger. The quote was, the Bible is not always correct. Sometimes we need to use a hermeneutic of suspicion. And as you can imagine, uh, 
such things like that on Facebook can inspire a lot of emotional responses from different people. So with that being said, and I hope to give you a little bit more insight into how this conversation transpired um, as we dive into this sermon. We dedicate this sermon, which I'm still having a hard time naming, to our ancestors known as Asar, Aset, and Heru. Modern science tells us that humanity, and by extension, human civilization, begins exclusively on the continent of Africa. This is something that humans seem to have known for thousands of years. And the earliest among us expressed this divine truth by telling poems, legends, and myths. They preserved God's words by ensuring that these sacred stories can easily be remembered by their children, captured by their memory, and thus passed on from generation to generation to generation. This myth of Asar, Aset, and Heru is one of the oldest human stories. So old, in fact, Moses might have learned it in those temples of Kemet after Pharaoh's daughter pulled him from the water. This divine story is pretty simple. Again, intended for children, like Moses, to teach very introductory lessons in what it means to be human. Father, God, is of the sky. Mother God is of the earth. Father impregnates mother through holy water, Amen. providing mother with her children, vegetation, livestock, and humans. Mother and father together, not separated, produce what early Africans continuously called ma'at, justice, honesty, truth, reciprocity, harmony, balance, and genuine partnership. Thousands of years before the time of even Pharaoh's daughter, the story she would have told this black mother told her son Moses. Thousands of years before her time, this daughter of the Egyptian pharaoh told Moses 
of her distant Cushite ancestors. These Cushites being Asar, Aset, and Haru. Asar, the father, looks to Father God in the heavens, looks to the stars for guidance, and he receives a word. And the word tells him that in order to be everything that God intends him to be, he's going to need a partner, a genuine partner. So getting a sign from the heavens, he's pointed back into the direction of his own clan, of his own Cushite tribe. In other words, God points him directly back to bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Aset becomes his wife. And together, mimicking the balanced patterns that they learned from observing Mother Earth, Oset gives birth to Haru, the embodiment of Father God's heavenly word. It is at this moment that scholars tell us Oset was overcome with the spirit of justice. Haru was such a righteous gift that it would be unholy for her to keep this word of God and hoard it for herself. Amen. So what she decides to do is release her husband, Osar, vowing to remain in Cush to raise Heru in harmony with Father God. Aset empowers her husband Osar in truth and honesty to bring humanity and civilization to the remainder of Mother Earth. Repeatedly, over and over again, world without end. Amen. All over the African continent, this divine story of Osar, Aset, and Heru was a foundational cultural symbol, showing us from generation to generation what it means for us to be human. So simple that it was designed for the memory of children. Honor God with all your heart and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Even more simply, always put God first. No exception. Afterward. The story reminds us to love creation the same way God loves you. Amen. As the blessed father, he provides you with everything you need. 
everything we need to thrive, everything we will ever need to be everything that we were created to be. It's our responsibility as humans to maintain this balance and harmony by giving nature everything that God gives us, everything that Mother Earth needs. After thousands of years, this story made its way off the mother continent into the region Isaiah 20 identifies as the Palestinian coastal line. It was translated by the Greeks as the myth of Osiris, Isis, and Horus. Yeah, somebody in the choir know what I'm talking about. This book of Isaiah that we see in this Old Testament is a collection of stories a collection of legendary poems named for the Judahite prophet that lived in this Palestinian coastal line some 800 or so years before the birth of Christ. In the first part of this prophecy, Isaiah declares that Yahweh, the ancestral God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, sometimes called Israel, Yahweh intends to punish the southern kingdom of Judah for separating themselves from their kin based on social and spiritual disagreements. It's God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And at the same time that he receives this vision, Isaiah still chooses a side. He remains steadfast in his prophecy that the dynasty established in Jerusalem by King David will not be conquered by these aggressive Assyrians. We won't fold. The prophet was correct. the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah was spared. It was later that the Babylonians would come along and conquer Jerusalem. Several hundred years after the prophet Isaiah had joined the ancestors. What we witness in this chapter, this 20th chapter of the prophet, the cultural perspective of these biblical Jews from the palace of David, witnessing the downfall and the destruction of ancient African civilization. And just as Asar are set in her rule, embody the balance and partnership between father and mother God. This highlighted scripture on this Sunday morning symbolizes profound spiritual lessons for us today. So if it's all right with you, Emmanuel, I'm gonna share three of them with you and then I'm gonna to retreat to my seat, amen? 
first thing that we learned from this 20th chapter of the prophet Isaiah is the prophet's willing submission mirroring God's harmony. Say that for you one more time. The first thing we learned from this 20th chapter is Isaiah's willing submission mirroring God's harmony. The Bible strongly indicates to us that Isaiah, though the book is named after one person, was probably not written by one person. But the way I heard one preacher put it was, what we likely see is a later school of prophets inspired by a noble ancestor, all coming together under one prophet, hashtagging, if you will, Isaiah. This what makes it into our Bible. This what makes it into our scripture. This ancestral story designed for the memories of children being replayed over and over again. Similar to Osset, releasing Osar into the world. Like any mother and wife, I'm sure she wanted to be with her husband. They wanted to grow old together. They wanted to raise their divine son in a joint household. But unfortunately, God had other plans. It was the will of God for Asar to go forth planting the seeds of civilization throughout the remainder of the world. This required his loving wife and the mother of his son to make many sacrifices, sacrificing her time, sacrificing her energy, often sacrificing her own happiness so that her child, humanity, could thrive. We see similar patterns of behavior thousands of years later by the prophets. Isaiah, this legendary ancestor, this legendary prophet of the southern kingdom, Judah, likely a prophet of one of the richest kings in Israel's history. This prophet probably didn't know what it was like to go to bed hungry. This prophet was probably educated in the best classrooms that the temples of Jerusalem had to offer. Ancestral knowledge passed down from Moses to David to Solomon Y'all get the picture. This prophet Isaiah was from the big house. And I'm sure, like Osar and Osset, he probably wanted to grow old there. Probably wanted to live out the rest of his days behind the palace walls, insulated from the pain and chaos of everyday life of commoners. But God had other plans. 
we see this prophet stripping himself down, seemingly voluntarily, to the point where he is naked and barefoot, wandering up and down the Palestinian coastline. In accordance with divine signs emerging from the heavens, What would it mean for our churches if our preachers would do the same today? Renouncing our comfortable positions in pulpits, insulated from the daily suffering of common people in the world. Isaiah's willing submission is a mirror of divine harmony. God's ultimate sacrifice to leave his heavenly throne, making himself both naked and barefoot so humanity could have everything it needs to survive. The second point that we learn from the prophet is that disharmony in the ancient African history mirrors disharmony amongst modern African people. Say that for you one more time. Disharmony in ancient African history mirrors disharmony amongst modern Africans. Some, there are some very important things that we need to consider whenever we start discussing and talking about African people. And with it being confirmed now that this is the origin of human life and civilization, what this effectively means is, and what the Bible calls Cush and Kenneth, we have the longest documented records of human flourishing. Amen. While Asar and Osset no longer lived in the same house, following God's commandment and through God's word, they remained on the same accord. even as the father went out planning civilization throughout the earth. It was the word of God that united them. No mountain, no valley, no river could separate them through the love of God. But over thousands of thousands of years, as humans often do, these early Africans lost their way. And disharmony crept in. Making ourselves vulnerable to things like greed, lust, disharmony, chaos, and ultimately, 
slavery. Isaiah saw the same things happening in the tribes of biblical Israel. Petty disagreements over religious beliefs. Random arguments and debates over how the temple ceremony should be conducted. Over who's going to lead the procession into God's throne. Which school of prophets had the most followers? I'm trying to bless somebody this morning. These were the seeds of division that these school of prophets, inspired by Isaiah, saw amongst themselves each day. The hypocrisy, the backstabbing, the lying, the manipulating, Going among, amongst kindred people, all in the name of God. Yeah. Also made these biblical Hebrews vulnerable to slavery. The northern kingdom eventually conquered by the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom eventually conquered by the Babylonians. We modern Africans are put in a position where we have to ask ourselves today, how might we be contributing to our own disharmony? What are we doing that is sustaining our own enslavement? Are we holding ourselves back? Are we the ones in our way preventing us from being everything that God intended us to be? Yeah, these are things that the prophets had to reckon with. But they did it by pointing us to this third and final point for us this morning. We can always restore harmony through unification. Yeah. Say that for you one more time. Yeah. Yeah. We can always restore harmony through unification. When Asar found himself in a jam where he needed to get back to Kemet, as was often the case with lost slaves on the Underground Railroad. They did what the Bible calls and remembers, they looked to the heavens from which cometh their help. God the Father, who is certainly in heaven, sends him a sign, sends him a divination, sends him a prophecy, if you will that ultimately gave him a lifeline back to his beloved Osset. And this union, of course, brings forth the righteous son. So too did Isaiah first look to his own family, the northern kingdom of Israel, when he found himself in the jail when he found humanity separated 
destroying each other and destroying Mother Earth. Can't get on one accord because of petty disagreements. The first thing he did was look to get his own house in order first. Look to wean out those seeds of division from within his own school of prophets. This ancient wisdom that when we get our own stuff together, when we clean up our own mess, when we're able to look ourselves in the mirror and write our own shit, then maybe God might empower us to bring forth civilization and humanity to the rest of the earth. I'm trying to bless somebody. So the prophet looks to his own family. What might it mean for black preachers around this country to do the same this morning? To have the courage to look ourselves in the mirror and really ask ourselves if the sermons that we are preaching are empowering our people to unify themselves? Amen. Are the sermons we preaching empowering our people to overcome mental slavery? Yes, yes. Are the sermons we preaching empowering our people not to be reliant on wicked governments? These are difficult questions. And we often get them wrong. Holy men and women of God throughout the history of humanity have often gotten these questions wrong. This 20th chapter of Isaiah tells us as, as filled with the spirit, as connected with God, as these school of prophets were, When push came to shove, they still couldn't get past their petty disagreements. They still were too caught up in the idea that God could only reveal himself through the southern kingdom of David. If I could speak with those prophets of Isaiah this morning. I might encourage them to turn back and look to the older ancients. Those legends of Asar, Aset, and Haru that remind us to always be humble before God. That remind us that God is much greater and far much older than anything any of us can remember. And thus, God can never only be for your house Amen. and just your family. Amen. Can't help but ask myself, what would it look like for us black preachers to do the same on this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. Amen. And like I shared with you, men and women, much holier than myself, throughout history have 
made missteps on it. But if I had to guess this morning, I imagine that we might start by looking to a Jewish prophet born in the city of David. A carpenter's son, if you will. One willing to renounce his social privilege. To walk up and down the Palestinian coastline. Not flashy, but naked and barefoot. A charismatic figure that when his political enemies rose up against him in his infancy, his father receiving a sign from God packed him and his wife up and fled into Kemet. hiding from those supreme commanders of Herod's army, determined to kill his son. We might look to a young man that when he came back from Kemet, constantly found himself in the temple of Solomon and David, Amen. preaching, teaching, quoting those prophets from Isaiah, telling them things like the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed us to preach the good news to the poor. When he got a little bit older, he went down to a river to be baptized by his cousin into an ancestral faith where Father God spoke from heaven proclaiming that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. If we black preachers were to look ourselves in the mirror this morning and think about all the ways that we sow disharmony and division within our community, We might look to one that came from the ghettos of Galilee, yeah. reminding us of that ancient wisdom to always put God first, yeah. even when it comes yeah. to sacrifice our personal gains. We learn from these prophets, these biblical prophets, to humble ourselves before God. As God humbles himself before us on a regular basis. We learn that it is indeed disharmony and disunity amongst African people that leads to the fall of our classical culture and chaos being widespread in the world. And last but certainly not least, God being faithful to always provide us with everything that we need. 
including a way back when we've lost our way to our holy land. We are left with those divine words that remind us, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And after you do that, just as the prophet from Galilee told us, you love your neighbor as God loves you. The doors of the church are open on this morning. Perhaps there is someone amongst us that has lost your way. And you need to find your way back. Find your way back to God. Find your way back to humanity. Find your way back to your family. We invite you to come forward this morning. Giving your hand to the deacon, but ultimately giving your heart, your soul, and your mind. to the almighty God that sustains you, that sustains all of us, that sustains our nature, our planet, and our sun, made visible through Christ. The doors of the church are open this morning. Will you come?